0: Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance Podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture. And these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Today, we have a guest on our show that I've mentioned throughout the entire Accelerate Your Performance Podcast series. My good friend and mentor, Quint Studer founder of Studer Group, Studer Community Institute, and a renowned author and speaker and successful entrepreneur. Down the road, Quint's gonna join us to to do more episodes to talk about the books that he's written and why he's written those books and the impact that they've made to leaders and communities and organizations across the country and the world. So today, I wanna quickly get to the heart of the matter of this interview. Quint wrote an article that I read uh, last week in, in strong towns called What Would Winston Churchill Do to Defeat the Coronavirus? So you're all in for a treat today. And I welcome to our show my mentor and good friend, Quint Studer. Quint, welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Janet. I'm, you know, ready to go. I'm very excited to be here. So um, let's get right let's to go. work here.
0: Okay, let's go. So let's start with this question, Quint. Um, you know, what motivated you to write the article and, and why connect to Winston Churchill?
1: Well, a couple of things. Um, I guess what motivated me to write an article is the fact that this isn't the first crisis that I think I've seen our country go through or I've seen healthcare go through. And when I think of crisis, I'm a big historian. I love to read. I love to read history. And I think we can learn from history. And I've sort of always been a Winston Churchill fan. Many of my talks I've given over the years have talked about Winston Churchill and other people I, I respect greatly, Nelson Mandela and some of these other leaders that have had unfathomable odds that they've beat. So I saw Eric Larson had a new book out called The Splendid and the Vile. And I always read a bio on the book. And the book talked about the fact that, you know, when World War Two started, um, you know, the US of course wasn't in it, and Great Britain was sitting there and Great Britain was just um, didn't, you know every country was just getting defeated by nazi germany and france fell so quickly and they turned to winston churchill as an unlikely leader who sort of had his ups and downs and some people thought they were just insane to turn to winston churchill um but when you look at the 1900s time magazine at the at 2000 talked about the most influential person in the whole entire hundred years of the 1900s and they said winston churchill was the game changer now I have great respect for people that defeated polio and all these other great, It doesn't diminish all these other people. But they said at that moment, at that time, if he hadn't been there, probably Germany would have defeated Great Britain and who knows what happened right now. So I read the book and what just hit me was the, the first part where, and they found the diaries of, um, of some of Adolf Hitler's, who wasn't supposed to keep them, not him, but his PR people. And they were so frustrated with Winston Churchill that they just not, could not believe that people didn't give up. They just, they just thought, we're going to keep bombing this, and they are going to give up. And they didn't give up. And they didn't give up because of Winston Churchill and his messaging. And I think right now, with this virus, it's a time where people could give up. You, know, you get afraid, you get scared, you get self-fulfilling prophecies. And I think particularly for people in healthcare, you know who I love. I got, I got interviewed by health leaders this week and they said, Clint, why do they do it? Why do these people go into these dangerous situations? And I said, they, cause they cannot not do it because their calling is so hard. They're uncomfortable, not rushing into danger when the most of us are, are uncomfortable running into danger. But so I thought it was just a great example of how CEOs can communicate because, you know, I I was brought into healthcare systems many times when they didn't communicate well. They're doing service recovery. They had a layoff or something happened. And um, I've seen the difference between those executives that communicate well and those that don't. And I think Winston Churchill was a great example of an, an executive that communicated well.
0: Yeah, thanks, Quint. You know, and as you wrote the article, you took the um, what you talked about with Winston Churchill, and then you highlighted a couple of leaders in the article who you, who you thought today
1: represented
0: positive examples that other leaders could use as models. You know, why did you choose these two leaders? What, what made them role models to you?
1: Well, the one was, t- you know, difficult situations. If you're in the hotel industry right now, you've lost 90% of your business. Your stock price has probably gone near as bottom as it'll ever go. So I'm thinking if people in the hotel industry that's been hit probably harder than almost any business you can be in right now, if they can message, some of us should be able to message. So I've always found if you take somebody that's got a worse situation than you, it takes away that excuse. Of you know how bad we've got it, or we nobody understands what we're going through. So I was really impressed with taking that that situation um, in the hotel world, which I thought was just one of those that that really nailed it. The other one is again a, a political situation, and I don't want to get into politics or parties, but I, I think again a, another communicator that, that got into it without blaming, without talking, just all these people have something in common. And I think, and here's, I, I wrote myself some notes. They all talk about, we're going to get through this. So so the message wasn't, oh my gosh, this is bad. And they didn't talk about themselves. I get real nauseous of executives telling people how rough it is for them. Well, it's a, usually a heck of a lot rougher for everybody else. So I think they talked about why they're going to be okay. But I think they also hit the challenges face up. You know, they 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 did not let... They, if the elephant was in the room, they put the elephant right, right in that room. They didn't hide it out. So I think they talked about here's what we face. Then I think they're very bold and here's what needs to happen. They also talked about downside. You can't act like oh when we get through this, people won't lose their jobs or we won't have some downside. What many of them are trying to do is minimize the downside without saying there's not going to be one because the last thing exact, you know, employees don't like Pollyannish sound bites without substance. And then they come back to, but here's what we can accomplish together and here's why. So I think they almost every one of them have that formula I just talked about.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we have, uh, do some work in Kentucky and, have a coach in Kentucky and, you know, the person that you highlighted with the the leader and the the governor in Kentucky, you know, just um, I've heard the same thing from her. She just can't say enough about the leadership that's been provided in that state. So, you know, um, I know there are other, other, leaders out there who are doing the same thing, but just the reinforcement that people are recognizing that, you know, people externally Quinn are recognizing when there's good leadership and it's very apparent to people. You probably see that as well.
1: No, I I think that's true. I think today what makes leadership both better and harder is better. There's more examples of how to do it out there. If you can bury your ego, you know, you got to deflate your ego as an executive, who cares if you imitate someplace else? else. I wrote an article one time, the world is changed by imitators, not innovators, because imitators are what scale what's happening. But there's so many great examples out there. And there's also people see them, employees see them, employees know who's understanding it and and who isn't it. You know, we have a bunch of small businesses in Pensacola. And today I was in one and the employees were very grateful for the way we're communicating because their friends aren't being communicated like that. And so I, I think um there's good examples out there right now for us to follow.
0: Yeah. And uh I think that's right. And it sure is nice when you come across across those examples. It just it it just feels good, you know, that there are people out there who are doing the right things for employees and, and for their customers. You know, you you provide some tips to leaders. You do that all the time. And I read I'm a faithful reader of your weekly um articles in the Pensacola News Journal. Um what we what What would, would you provide um, those tips to our listeners? What types of tips would you provide to our listeners?
1: They want to hear it from the the top person, if at all possible. Like I I think certainly there's times when others can carry a message, better people should carry a message. So you can punt to them or say, now here our human resource person's going to talk about this. Our finance person's going to talk about this, but I think they want to hear from the top person. Next, you got to tell them why they're hearing from you, you know, what what you're trying to accomplish with the message you know i always say i've learned so much from stephen covey years ago a seven essential habits start with the end in mind so you got to tell them to me why the message is is out there what you're trying to accomplish i think it's always good to give a, a, a quick environmental assessment don't assume they know it have them hear it from you so what exactly is going on if you've made a mistake just be vulnerable for example, I was working with an organization one time where they laid off 600 people, and everybody was so angry. And I, the CEO had me meet with them, and I said, just tell them you made a mistake, that you wish you would have communicated better, but you were so anxious to, to save 13,000 jobs that you had to make a decision. Your back was against the wall. Here's what you did with the 600. Here's a jar doing with the 600. So it's okay to, to be vulnerable. It's okay to admit mistakes. It's okay. So if you haven't done something you wish you had had done, just be really straightforward and say, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I think you want to then also talk about just what you're, What can they do? You know, if, what how can they help? Because it isn't just, here's what's going on. Here's what we need you to do. Here's what we're doing. If you're making any type of reduction in force, really important to talk about what's happening to the people that are leaving because what people want to know is their coworkers are being respected because in their mind someday this could be them they hope it isn't but it's really important to talk about that and then i think you need you need to come back to why if we do this here's what's going to happen and and here's why we're doing it and i think if you do those tips you'll come out really really strong I think also, and this is something I've had to learn, I think about 50% of the people will get it by reading it and about 50% of the people get it by hearing it. So I think those that just do it verbally miss out on 50% of the people and those that just do it in writing lose out on 50% of the people. Um, Mark Clement, the CEO of TriHealth, every single week he does a video messaging to the 14 or 18,000 employees in Cincinnati that's what's happening, and I think he's a role model on, on how to handle this situation
0: yeah that's um i I really like the um the idea that you talk about i mean just the the different modalities and just that consistent communication by that senior executive are really really important you know i think as as we've had to make the transition with our own team I've really enjoyed the the personal everyday connections with our team. And I found out so much more about them than I've ever known just because of the interconnections and the closeness that we've, that we've, how we've come together to do things that we've not done before. And I think that's important, Quent.
1: I think also to be okay being unpolished, you know, um, I think sometimes executives worry about what, how good a communicator they are. Somebody can say this better than me. I think the number one thing that a leader has to have is authenticity. And I've actually thought sometimes executives are too polished, you know, with the right look, the right thing on the table before they talk, the right dress. Um, I think authenticity. Now, if that's how you always are, be like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I think I have seen some leaders get up who are shy and aren't the best communicators, but their employees love them. Because their employees can relate that this is not easy for them, so they're doing it. So my main message, also, when you are doing something visually, um, is just be yourself. That's what got you to where you're going to be, and that's going to keep you going. And I think that's the biggest thing I find is the test aut- authenticity is, is really vital.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so as we as we close today, I you know just. Your advice is so significant in helping people. Now, what's one piece of advice you would just leave our listeners with today?
1: Lean on over-communication versus under-communication. I can't tell you how many people say, well, I don't want to bombard them with a message. I don't want to send too many emails. I have never, ever, and I've been doing this a long time, had somebody come up to me and say, our communication is perfect. We're getting the exact same, right amount of communication the perfect way, the perfect location, um, the perfect messaging. I've never heard that. Either people say, we don't know what's going on, or my gosh, we're getting too much. I'm always leaning toward over-communication rather than under-communication. Now, do you want to make a good communication? Yes, but I do lean, I think at this time, people rather hear more than hear less
0: great piece of advice. And as we, as we close today, Quint gave us uh, many, many tips and advice. The advice from him is, is something that has been, as I've mentioned, significant in my life. So I hope that you'll take something, one or two things, I like Stephen Covey too, Quint, you know, do the, the one thing and you have a better opportunity to get it right. So I think take one thing, no more than two, and try that this week and see how it works for you. So thank you, Quint, so much for connecting with us today. Uh, just so appreciative of your time. Thank you. Grateful. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com podcast look forward to connecting with you next week as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that you and we can be our best at work. Have a great week.